With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. I'm Paul John Dykes and I've got to say I'm delighted to be back and I'm joined today for the game by Laura Bradburn. How are you doing? Did you manage us without us for a couple of days? We did, we did. Uh, I have to say it was uh, it was a surreal couple of days uh, with everything going on, watching it, having you guys down at the show, getting your messages back, sort of basking in a little bit of the glory for a little bit of the time. I don't think it's something we do enough. And uh, before we get going, I just wanted to say as well, um, Jim said it perfectly yesterday, but I don't think enough has been said about it, is that, uh, you know, all of us contributors are the people that, that you see most often, but yourself especially with the idea that you came up with, the hours that you put into it that nobody knows about, the hours that Kelvin puts into it that nobody knows about, you guys are the the bedrock on which this is all built and you guys deserve the most credit for for everything that we've achieved and everything that we go on to achieve. So I think from, certainly from myself and speaking for all the contributors, I think thank you for the opportunity to be part of the growing success of this channel. It really is a pleasure. It's our pleasure, Laura. It's an absolute privilege to work with everybody who's on it. I'm not going to go through this because everybody wants to hear about Celtic v Motherwell, but it was an absolute mental night it was tremendous I mean to come up the road with three awards superb uh, Tony gave the second speech we says to Lawrence if we get a treble you're doing the third speech um, <laughs> he he basically grabbed the mic on the second speech and gave it a big hail hail it was brilliant loved every single second of it but it's thanks to all the people out there voting and, and supporting the channel I don't want to labour it because you'll be th- thinking get on with the game and I get all that I might pop back in for a very quick live just to thank you 
say thank you to so many people who were involved, including the people that got us on the train. That's a, another story entirely, Laura. Um, we are playing Motherwell today. This, again, I mean, we were saying it when we went to Petordre, must-win games, they keep coming. We're just at that stage. We really can't allow ourselves to fall any further behind. We're going to for part today. I'm never one of these guys that is so confident. I'm not a betting man for a kickoff, Laura, so I never feel confident enough to put money on Celtic every single week or whatever. But I've never been so confident going to Fur Park, and I've seen the best and the worst. You know, I've seen us scoring seven goals at Fur Park. I've seen us losing league titles at Fur Park. We're going there today against a mega-organised Motherwell side, and I think that the beginnings of that, the roots of that, was under Stephen Robinson. He made them a very organised side who were very difficult to, to beat. Some of that, the remnants of that team are still way more well, but it's been picked up and they're they are brilliant. I mean, not just as a as a team, but as a football club, they're doing a lot right, Laura. Yeah. I think um, Motherwell's a, a strange one for me because uh, I remember having a chat to you one time and you couldn't believe that I was too young to remember Willie Faulkner in a Celtic shirt, but... Um, I remember him at Motherwell and, and to me they've always been you know we've never struggled particularly against them but they've always had players that have given us a challenge you know Willie Faulkner, Tommy Coyne, Dougie Arnott, Keith Lasley even up to like David Clarkson and, and Phil O'Donnell as well obviously they always seem to have players that give us trouble and, and I think that's going to be the case again today like you say they, they maybe aren't as organised as they were under the previous manager but it's never an easy place to go and, and, and you know, they still have their threats there. Even um, we were talking yesterday about the home that Tony Watt seems to have found there and the, the threat he could pose. So um, as much as I'm optimistic, as I always am going into the games, you know, it's not going to be an easy one. And I think we're going to keep, have to have to keep our wits about us. Yeah, absolutely agree with that. I mean, um, we're now at that stage and I was asked quite a bit about this going down to London because, you know, a lot of these people, uh, the foot, they're football fans, so they keep a maybe a casual look, um, a casual eye on on Celtic and Scottish football um, as a whole. Or a, so they were asking, they were very um, interested in where did it all go wrong and uh, what's going to happen this season. And I explained to them that for the first time, you know, last season and this season for some time, you know, I'm going in every single match day and it's looking at our result, obviously, but also looking at Ibrox to see um, how we can make up ground. Obviously, um, Hearts are going to Ibrox today. We're playing Motherwell. We want both results to go for us, but Motherwell are in the ascendancy. They are above Celtic in the league. They're sitting fourth. Um, that was something we kind of got used to, uh, even during our nine in a row. You know, Motherwell were up there um, kind of pushing that top two constantly. And in previous in previous years, we've seen it with Motherwell teams as, as, um, as well. Tony Watt is one to watch. He's a, a player who I kind of thought, you know, when he fell off the radar, uh, and what I mean by that wasn't really his time in Belgium. I just felt when he started kind of going doing the leagues in, uh, in England and then he comes back mm. up to Scotland and he's at St. Johnson, I just thought he was probably going to fade into obscurity. But he has found a perfect fit for him at Motherwell. He's definitely one to watch. I mean, I'm looking at I'm looking at Starfelt. I'm not convinced with Starfelt. I know that he likes a battle, but I don't even think he did that too well at Petordre. And I think they'll be looking at him as a target. And Tony Watt, I remember him having some pace back in the days, an instinctive player. 
I'll say one thing about him. He's a lot stronger now than he was in a Celtic jersey. He's really obviously bulked up and worked hard on his upper body strength. I think he's one to watch today. I think he 100% is. I mean, there are certain bits of your game that obviously change depending on how you look after yourself. Your your pace can change, your your weight, your, your physicality, that kind of thing. But there are parts of your game that... I don't think, regardless of how well you play or not, you never lose. He's always had a good first touch. He's always had a good finish on him. And those things are things that usually never leave you. So I, I would be reluctant to say that he's he's uh, not going to be a problem for us because I think he's the type of striker that only needs a couple of chances in a game. Um, we all know that, you know, with the way we've been as a team this season, being wasteful of your chances is costly. And... Uh, Tony Watt is a striker that for mother will at least um, almost guarantees you goals even with a low number of chances. So um, we're really going to have to be on our guard today to give them as little as possible because I think they've got at least one striker there who will take any chance that he's given. You know, uh, before we move on to the selection uh, by Ange Postacoglu, on the note of Tony Watt, you know, when he was at Adrie, uh, as a kid, you know, he had trials with Celtic Rangers and Liverpool. And obviously Celtic won the race to buy him. I think it was 90 to 100,000 quid at that time. His career trajectory was pretty steep and everybody remembers him for the goal against Barcelona. In the last few weeks, obviously, we've had the international break, Laura, which, uh, you know, I've been counting down the days for this game right here uh, against Motherwell, back to domestic action. I did actually hear, and in particular on the state of Scottish football, which goes out at six o'clock on the channel every night, quite a few people actually saying he should be in and around the Scotland squad. Is that a bridge too far for Tony? I mean, can you see him making another step up in his career? I don't think it is a bridge too far because I think um, I think what we saw at Euro 2020 especially was, um, and for all Lyndon Dykes has been able to put in some vital goals for us in the qualifiers recently, to me he's not the, the natural finisher that we would want up front for Scotland. And um, although Che Adams does an excellent job at what he does, he's more of a target man than he is a, an out-and-out clinical finisher. I think partnering Tony Watt with a, a Che Adams could be you know, the key to unlocking a lot more of our success because I think, to be honest, the way the Scotland team play, it's the only area in which we really need to significantly improve. We need strikers who score goals consistently and I think Tony Watt could provide that. So no, I I, I don't think it's beyond them at all. I think if you've got Kevin Nisbet's in around the squad, Lyndon Dykes, I don't think he's very far off that potentially anyway. And I think playing with better players around him as he would in the Scotland squad would bring out the best in him. It's an interesting one. Yeah, there is a dearth of Scottish attackers out there, Laura. But let's talk about a different area of the park and let's get as many people involved in the comment section as possible. Starting off with Scott Howe, who mentions volleyball and golly, who's getting his second start of the season. Uh, Scott, you know, I'm glad you brought up ball and golly because it is one of the biggest talking points about the selection this afternoon. Uh, you go on to say that uh, you're seriously puzzled by the team but hope that Ange proves you wrong. Uh, someone else is talking about uh, Ange ball. It's more like curveball. What's your thoughts? And again, and, and I think the, the subtext that I also is, does he not rate Liam Scales? I mean, Liam Scales was playing European football for Shamrock Rovers. He's been called into the Republic of Ireland team. Uh, yet, we're pulling in ball and goalie again from the cold. Now, I already spoke about this, Laura. I thought, like everybody else, 
when he started against Livy, it was a bit of a curveball. But mm. I could see why he was trying to basically look at his entire squad and get as much knowledge as he possibly could. Has Bolingoli shown the right attitude at uh, training? Is he saying the right things when Ange is speaking to him? Probably. So he gets the game. I don't think he was outstanding, but the team were poor that day and he wasn't the worst player on the park. So I was trying to watch his performance without anything else, without the judgment of what happened last season. And I thought he, he did okay. But then he drops out the squad entirely, not even on the bench, and now he's back in the start and I love him. What do you make of that? Yeah, I mean, I think I think I would echo your your caveat about you know taking any off the field issues out of the conversation because I think anybody who was for him staying at the club has voiced those opinions. Anybody who was for never seeing him in a Celtic shirt again has voiced those opinions. So so at this point, uh, he's here. He's a Celtic player. We have to judge him on on what he provides us. I don't think he's the worst left-back we have at the club by any stretch. He's not the most disciplined defensively. Um, whether that actually proves to be an advantage in the system that Ange plays is probably another question. Maybe that's why he's favoured. Um, but, I mean, m- my issues with the defence don't come down to Bolingoli specifically or personally. I-, I I can't remember who said it on a previous podcast that I was on, but... The main issue for me is here we are in the middle of October with yet another um, backline. OK, Carter, Vickers and Starfield look like they're forging a partnership at centre-back of sorts or they're at least being given the opportunity to. But we still don't have settled wing-backs in place or full-backs, whatever you want to call them. We're, we're switching between Ralston, Juranovic, Taylor, Bolingoli. You know, the very fact that I can name as many players as that and some of them have played both right and left back the very fact that I can name as many players as that shows you how unsettled we are in those areas and yes injuries has contributed to those but really you should still be able to say right if that person's injured we can bring in this backup if that person's injured we can bring in this backup the kind of shuffling that's going on is is not going to help things build. Yes, Carter Vickers and Starfield can build a relationship as a centre-back pairing, but each of them will have to build a relation back, relationship with the full-back that's on their side. Yeah. And they're not being given the opportunity to do that uh, the way current things are going. Hopefully when injuries settle down, and, uh, and hopefully they will, um, there will be a more consistent choice across the back because I think that is a, an area of the pitch where I think you can... Uh, switch switch up the, the selections across the pitch, but the defence really has to remain as consistent as possible. Yeah, just picking up on that, uh, Laura, you know, I look at the team and I think to myself, you know, in my own head, are they the first choice or are they the second choice? And some of the positions, they're the second choice and we don't yet have a first choice. And I think about that every time I look at the left-back position. I still don't think we have our first choice left-back, even when Taylor's fit. I don't think he is the strongest left-back Celtic could have. Montgomery's played there, and it's been a mixed bag by Montgomery. I think he's playing out of position um, Mm. as an inverted full-back, certainly. And then Bolingoli comes in, and he's got a lot more experience. But again, you know, it's difficult sometimes for Celtic fans just to watch his game in isolation without all the baggage that comes with it. Um, On the other side, you've got Ralston, which I still think... Uh, as well as he's done, he is our second choice. But I think we do have our first choice in Juranovic, who unfortunately is injured. My big concern about the two centre-halves at the moment is 
I think Starfelt is a backup to Julian. And I think Carter mm. Vickers is a first choice. So I'm happy with Carter Vickers. But I'm not at this moment in time totally convinced with Starfelt. Nobody knows specifically when Julian's coming back. But both of the guys will have to forge a partnership with Julian as well. Because as the season goes on, Laura, there are going to be occasions where both of these guys will be playing with Julian. But I still reckon Starfelt is a backup to Julian. I, I would agree with that. Carter Vickers certainly seems more assured. And Starfelt has improved in recent games. I think he's better than he was. But I, I would still think that Julian, Julian at his best is better than Starfelt at his best. I was encouraged to see the tweet from Celtic yesterday saying that Julian's back in training. They did... Uh, they were at pains to make it clear that he's still a while away from match fitness, as, as you would expect. But um, it is encouraging to see him on his way back. And I have to say, a Julian Carter-Vickers partnership at the back, uh, if they're both fully on their game and at full fitness, is something that I would absolutely go for. But, you know, the, there's advantages and disadvantages to putting Julian into that team when he is ready and fit. And that, you know, if you're talking about maybe up to mid-November before he's fit the advantage of it is the games will be coming thick and fast from then mm. on and and he'll have a chance to play regularly with both of them I would think to build up those partnerships obviously the disadvantage of that is if, it, if he doesn't hit the ground running you know we've not got time really to to allow him to hit his stride because we need to be keeping winning games. Jim said it yesterday on the bulletin. We're now at a stage where we can't really lose games. Every game is a must-win game. So there's advantages and disadvantages to, to both. But ultimately, as, as Tony always says, having your best players available is never a bad thing. And, and if, if we can get Julian back playing uh, as soon as possible, then that can only be a positive for us. Yeah, so again, some some out there might think I'm being overly critical, but I look at the back five and I see Hart and Carter Vickers as being first picks. Um, I think we need another left back. I think Juranovic is your first pick right back and Mm -hmm. Julian's your your partner for Carter Vickers. Uh, And saying that on the bench, we've got Welsh who can cover right back and right centre back and Scales who can do the same on the other side. So we're covered if there are any injuries or poor performances today. But let's move into the midfield. And uh, Douglas Connell comes in to say Motherwell will be harder than Aberdeen and still two central attacking midfielders, one of which has flown to the other side of the world and back. Another random cameo. It does feel like a random cameo, I've got to say, for for Ball and Golly, and we'll be watching his performance closely. But what do you make of this Turnbull-Rogic dilemma? Um, A lot of fans, me, myself included, have said they shouldn't be playing together. It's one or the other. And I've even, you know, suggested that because of the fact that they don't seem particularly suited to this high-tempo, high-energy football that Ange wants to play, Laura, would it not make sense for one of them to play 60 minutes with the other one coming on and making yeah. that impact in the last half hour? People might think that's a luxury, but listen, it's a luxury that we have, so why not utilise it? Um, and then the question would be, who would you play alongside McGregor in the engine room? I think he's on the bench. I think Neil Beaton did enough against Aberdeen. What's your thoughts about those selections? I think the, the Turnbull and Rodgers thing um, kind of reminds me of situations we've had in the Scotland team and situations that I remember the England team having when I was growing up. I remember they talked about schools, Gerrard and Lampard, and whether they could play together. And, um, you know, for the Scotland team, uh, Tierney and Robertson, whether they could play together. And I think the mistake you make at times is trying to find a system or a way to play what you believe is the best 11 players that you have at the club. 
Turnbull and Rodrich are definitely amongst the best 11 players that we have at the club, but that doesn't mean automatically that they can play in the same team. If they're doing the same job, or if one of them doing the job is negating what the other one does, then you're effectively a man down in that case. I, I can't remember the last time I watched the two of them playing where I thought both of them had great games. It's always one or the other. And if that's the case, you've got to think about replacing uh, one of them. Um, and I, I have to say, based on this season's performances, I would actually replace Turnbull. And I, I know a lot of people will be shocked to hear that, given that my praise of Turnbull over the, the last 18 months has been high. But you've got to go with not only the player who suits the system, but the player who's been delivering more often. And I think Rodgic is up there for me. I just think we can't afford to be carrying players in any stretch of the imagination or in any sense. And with Turnbull and Rodgers both on the pitch at the same time, you are effectively carrying one. Now, here I'm going out on a limb and saying this and they'll probably be outstanding today, but we've got to go on the, the evidence that we've seen so far. Mm. And I think people are right to be concerned when you see them on the pitch at the same time. I think it's a better use of our resources, given that Rodgers especially struggles to complete 90 minutes I, I don't see a reason why you don't use him and Turnbull interchangeably and they'll both get plenty of game time that way. Yeah, uh, you know, sometimes these things sound too simple to be possible, Laura, but he's picked both of them in the start and 11 and we'll need to see if it clicks for part today. Some great points coming in. Keep them coming, guys. Daniel Mack. Bolly has worked for his chance and he's never gone to the papers more than either. This is the thing, you know, he took it on the chin, didn't he? I mean, what he did was absolutely... Stupid. I mean, there's no other mm. word for it. He took it on the chin. Um, yeah, he went away on loan, got a bad injury when he was on loan, and he's come back in. But the point is made um, elsewhere, and I will find the point that he's obviously, Ange has obviously been working with him. There it is, Sean F. Um, during the international break, there was a few players I was hoping could come back in, and, and uh, I was thinking. I guess, more of McCarthy getting some more fitness during the, the fortnight off. I was thinking maybe even a Yeti and Yakamakis, uh, particularly the latter, who's on the bench, thankfully. McCarthy's dropped completely out of the squad, as has Montgomery. Now, on the way up the road on the train from London, I was watching the Axon Bulletin, of course, as a fan. Laura, very well presented, I've got to say. And um, <laughs> I was also trying to catch up with Ange um, and his update on the, the injuries. He's talking about Julien and Forrest, etc. Um, but I may have missed it. There was no indication that Montgomery was injured. Has he just been rested? Has he dropped out of the squad, do you think? I'm not sure what the issue is with Montgomery. Like you say, I've not, I've not heard anything um, particularly. I'm not I'm not that concerned not to see him at left back because I think, as you touched on earlier, I think it's coming to everybody's realisation that while he's definitely got potential, it's in a much further forward position. Um, I don't think his defensive qualities are there. Um, I, I'm a bit surprised if there isn't an injury going on not to see him on the bench in some um, capacity. Um, but yeah, no, definitely not heard anything about injuries or anything. And I'd welcome anybody in the comments to to update us on that if they do know anything about it. Because yeah, certainly not heard anything. No, Paul Gilston comes in to suggest that he may have been dropped completely. But again, you know, I think at that age as well, Laura, you, you prefer to call it rested because, you know, you're trying to ensure that you don't get the burnout that quite a few of our younger players seem to have had. You've just got to look at Forrest, the amount of games he's played. And 
over the last three or four years, the injuries that he continually picks up, it's frustrating. I'm sure it's frustrating for the player. It's frustrating for us as fans when, when Forrest isn't in the plans because you know how influential he can be. But another of those players, and it's not certainly been at Celtic, who's played a lot of football since making his debut at the age of 15 for Hamilton Ackies, is James McCarthy. He finally got his dream move to Celtic at the age of 30. He's been given a four-year deal. But it's now starting to look like he's going to be in and out of the Celtic side, Laura. And now he's on a four-year deal. He just started um, at the club. Is it a concern at this stage? He's not even on the bench today. It is a concern for me. And I have to say, uh, I've not had a chance to, to vocalise this as much because obviously presenting, you're wanting to get um, as many people's uh, opinions across as possible. But I was concerned from the minute I heard his press conference when he signed for the club and, and he talked about the the move being on the cards for a number of years because the first thing that that screams out to you is, well, it's not the manager that's made the call on signing him, it's, it's long-term connections with the club. And the minute that that happens, especially when you've got a manager like Ange who has a very specific style he wants to play, it makes you wonder how much he had to do with actually getting the deal across the line and whether he has any interest in having McCarthy in the team in the long term. Listen, McCarthy was one of the brightest uh, prospects in Scottish football, has gone down the road from Hamilton after being outstanding and had what what you would describe as a solid Premier League career. So there's no way he's a bad footballer. Um, But, uh, and this might sound a bit unflattering towards Celtic, but to me... A player at 30 years old uh, probably has a chance to have an extra, like one last contract in the Premier League if they are still of that level. And the concern for me is that perhaps injuries have played a part in him thinking, well, I can't play at that level. I'll take Celtic as the next best option. And the minute that that happens, you start to be concerned about the standard that he's going to be able to deliver for us. So I wouldn't even have been concerned if he had signed for us on a two-year contract or something like that and then maybe look to go somewhere else. But a four-year deal is a long time for a 30-year-old who's getting over some pretty serious injuries. And I can't see, uh, especially where he's going to come into figure regularly in the team. No, it's becoming more and more of a concern. Dee Kelleher, who is a regular contributor to the show, and it's always great to see you. Thanks for getting involved. Are McCarthy, Sorrow and Monty injured? It takes me to a point I made just the other week, Laura, um, in relation to January. We've all got opinions on where we need to strengthen. I've mentioned a couple of them already on the show today. But um, I'm also looking at the fact that I don't see us going through January and not offloading players. I mean, we've got Barkas, who's not, again, not on the bench today. Um, still a question mark, I guess, around a Yeti, players like Bolingoli and, and even Soro, who uh, D. Kelleher brought up there. Soro has not figured in the plans over the last few squads. Um, are you of the view that we can afford to, to offload a lot of these players? I don't think anyone would complain if Barkas was to leave. No, um, there are some of the players Barkas included where they're not really contributing anything on the field and so to lose them would not be a major issue. Where I think we are a bit concerned and although we have bolstered the numbers is if we are offloading a bunch of those players, we need to be replacing them so that we can keep the numbers up and if we can replace them with better quality players, then that's that's all for the better. But 
you know, there are certain players who've had their chance repeatedly and I think have shown that they are not of the standard that we need, Ayeti and Barkas being two of them. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see some going out the door in January, whether it be on loan or on a permanent transfer. But as long as that's accompanied by people coming back in the way, then I, I see no problem with it. Just a wee uh, point coming up from Michael McDonald. Welcome to the show, Michael. Um and now I'm going to go to what you're describing as an SMSM headline here, and I'm wondering which part of that sensational Motherwell versus Celtic live pre-match preview. Pretty sure that's what we're doing. So get involved in the comment section. Please do bring more than that to the party, Michael. Uh, Johnston's on the bench. Before we speak about the, the more offensive players, Johnston's back on the bench. Um, because, again, we've spoken about players that were concerned at their fitness He's coming into that category as well, Laura. Yeah, I, I sometimes think that you get players who, you know, I, I would say Mikey Johnson, a fully fit Mikey Johnson, and this is not to sound too Celtic da and Lee Griffiths about it, but a fully fit Mikey Johnson is about as naturally gifted a footballer as you have at Celtic. And I think everybody can see that. The spells that he re- keeps his fitness for and is in the team, he always proves dangerous. The problem is there are certain players in football who manage to get to the professional level and who I think perhaps aren't physically built for the game. And I think he comes across to me as that kind of player. He undoubtedly has talent. He undoubtedly has ability. But you need the physical, um, what's the word, robustness to go with that. Yeah. And the amount of injuries that he's had while I'm not saying they aren't 100% genuine injuries they are the kind of injuries that make you wonder if his joints if his muscles if his general you know bodily functions are up to being a footballer because there are unfortunately players for whom uh, that isn't the case and you have to then wonder well how long do you persist with keeping him going? Because at the end of the day, he's he's spent more time on the treatment table than he has on the pitch over his, the period of his contract. And while I would love for him to get back fully fit and be a, an option for us, because I think he would be a strong one, the, the injuries are, are a concern to me and something that I think if they continue for much longer, I don't see him having a future. It is a shame because he's undoubtedly got the talent. Uh, Celtic players talk about his ability on the training park as well. But I do have my concerns very much like the Lewis Morgan scenario where I just felt that there was an issue with the physicality. I also felt the same about Ryan Christie in his early Celtic days. He went away and sorted it out and uh, he was able to adapt to the conditions, if you like. Um, we've not mentioned Abada, Kyogo and Yota. Brilliant to see all three of them starting. I thought Kyogo might have been rested, uh, but you know, even though him and Rodrik have probably travelled more than anyone else in the last couple of weeks in that Celtic squad, both are starting. And you're just hoping Kyogo gets right back to what he was doing before his injury, Laura. Yeah, I mean, I, somebody can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't know that he played the full 90 minutes for Japan in any of the games while he was away. If I'm wrong about that, then I apologise. But that would make me think that if he didn't do that, then um, he's he's possibly, you know, jet lag is a real thing and the, the amount of travel is going to have an effect on him. But obviously it would be an awful lot worse if he had played more football on top of that. So hopefully if he can give us a, a good sort of, 50, 60 minutes today and help us tie up the match in the meantime, then you can bring him off and rest him from that point because um, another player that I want to see a lot more from as soon as possible is Yakimakis. He, if he's not 
fully fit by this point. I don't know when he's going to be because um, he's had another two weeks probably fully dedicated training to himself and I really want to see him, you know, provide that role for us. Will he replace Kyogo in the team? Absolutely not for me, regardless of uh, the, the little that I know of him, but he has to be made available as an option sooner rather than later. Yeah, without a doubt. A couple of quick comments before we get to the action. Liam Young, congratulations on the treble. Thank you so much, Liam. Thanks, everybody, for your support. Uh, and Meryl Wyatt is asking about the Shamrock Top behind us. Meryl, this one is actually part of our merch range that we're trying to build up to support the channel. And you can have a look at that on axrom.net. Just go to the shop section. I've got to say, it's been on there for two or three days and it is selling rapid. So get on that if you want to get one of the Shamrock Tops. Quick prediction for today Laura um, I mean I always make myself look a mug with the predictions because I talk about how we're going to struggle but um, I would like to see us come back uh, strong today and I'm going to be optimistic and I'm going to say 3-1 Celtic I'll go with that 3-1 Celtic let's hope that is the case thanks everybody for your continued support we'll see you at half time and thank you to Laura Bradburn for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's B-A-S-Y to 203203. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. 
Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Network.